1: to another episode of Podcast on 5th Ave. She is Taylor Haas. I am Jenna Harner. We miss Jordan once again. You know, our all of our schedules can get crazy sometimes, but we want to make sure that uh, we give you guys the uh, penguins and hockey content that you're looking for each and every week. Um, Taylor, it was a pretty big day. We're recording this on Wednesday. Pretty big day at practice. You and I were both there, and we look... And Jason Zucker is skating out onto the ice in a normal jersey, so, you know, full contact. And then it was hilarious. He gets, like, halfway on the ice and, like, rolled on the ground a little bit and, like, took a little bit of a dive, and the guys around him seemed to laugh. But definitely fantastic to see him back out there.
0: Yeah, that was that was hilarious. Yeah, skip the, the no-contact phase of this injury rehab. It was only six days ago that, you know, he got hurt in Minnesota. And you see that. He's holding upper thigh groin area and then you think is this related to his core muscle surgery and you're thinking like oh my gosh this should be season ending you know keep him out for a long time and then six days later he's back on the ice full full contact but uh i mean yeah obviously he's in a a great mood like you said he stepped on it yeah it was like a a puck had like went off of his skate a little bit and he dramatically fell down rolled around for some extra flair making light of his injury luck because he has had, you know, such tough injury luck. He, uh, it seems like, you know, he was, they were trying to work through this core muscle issue without surgery. He comes back in that Vegas game in January. They realize he's not where he needs to be. He gets the surgery. He comes back. He's hurt by the Kevin Fiala shove, but uh, signs are pointing to him returning soon. It could be as soon as Thursday when you're, when you're listening to this. Um, he, you know, was uh, back taking the regular line rushes, second, you know, line with Raquel and Malkin where he was for, uh, 30 minutes in, yeah, period <laughs> in the last game. Uh, so back in his usual spot, he was rotating on the second power play unit. Sullivan said he's still day to day, but you know, he, um, he is making the trip to New York. So just such a surprise to see him back this early. And it'll be interesting to see what he does when he does get back into the lineup.
1: Yeah, and I don't think anybody kind of expected that, too, because of the fact that we were, you know, ever since the Thursday game in Minnesota, it was, you know, we don't have an update. We're still awaiting an update. Every day we would talk with Mike Sullivan. It seemed like, you know, we're still waiting. He's still being evaluated. And seemingly sometimes that trends to be more of a negative thing. But in this case, that wasn't the case, or at least as of right now, he he did kind of hint at least the way that I read into it today when we talked with him after practice. That it seemed like it was more of like a reaggravation yeah. type of thing um, with that core muscle, which I'm not gonna lie to you. Until very recently, I just my brain didn't process it. Core muscle, you think core?
0: It also ties into your groin area. It does, yeah. So honestly, I'm not a doctor, but I have Google. So after practice, I was like googling <laughs> what is core muscle repair surgery, and so it's it's to fix a sports hernia which yep. is, I think what we typically hear it called sports hernia. And I'm, I'm looking and, um, you know, it, the torn muscle could be in your abdominal area. It could be in your groin area. Um, mm-hmm. or if it's like in the abdominal area, like one surgical method involves like retracting the groin muscles and going through the groin to get to the abdomen. So either way, mm-hmm. yeah, the groin definitely is tied in. And you, you saw when, you know, he went. He went down. He is grabbing at you know his upper thigh, kind of groin area. Then that's why it was scary. And then um, yeah. on the Minnesota broadcast, they showed when trainer Chris Stewart came back out onto the bench, and it looked like he said the word groin to Sullivan,
1: mouthing mm-hmm. it to
0: him. So um, yeah, it seems like maybe reaggravation. It doesn't seem like re-injured. Like it's something he now has to play through again because he did say, you know, this is the first time I'm actually fully healthy. Um, yeah. So it seems like maybe just something minor, not that he re-injured it, and then he's going to be playing hurt, and he's going to have to have surgery again. So honestly, just all all good news all around.
1: Yeah. And even more good news, the fact that Brock McGinn was on the ice on Wednesday as well. He was in a non-contact jersey, but this is the first time um, since he ended. So I have to make sure I have the timeline right. The March 11th game against Vegas was the last game he played in. So since he hasn't played since March 11th, basically, this is the first time we've seen him practicing with the team Um, Not just doing the skill sessions before practice when, you know, players get back on the ice.
0: Yeah, he he's been skating on his own for a little while now because it was it's a wrist injury. We can presume he did. He he went to the boards at the end of like the second period in that game and like wrist first. And then, you know, when they they do the post uh, game, the handoff videos of the helmet, he's in the back and he has like a, a cast on his wrist. So uh, that's what it was. He was stick handling for a while, and you know these sessions with just you know his his good wrist, uh, his good hand on the stick, and then he's been you know two hands on the stick for a while now in those sessions. So yeah, good to see him back. He was he was just rotating in on the on the fourth line, nothing um, serious yet. We don't have like an update, a timeline on when he's going to be back. But I mean, we were just talking about it. No one was missing for practice. It's like what when is the last time this happened <laughs> to to have like a full. Not fully healthy yet because Brock McGinn, you know, he's he's you know getting closer. But to just have everyone there at once, I mean, you just look at what the depth of this team, what they could look like when they're finally healthy. It's it's exciting.
1: It is, and I don't think I, there's probably maybe been like a day we've yeah. seen the entire team, and it honestly may have been
0: um, the Vegas game. But was Malkin back for that at that point? I don't know. I there, I think there was a game. You know what I think it was? It was uh, the game when Louis, the day Louis Domingue got hurt, it was like one of the first times they're finally healthy for, it was like not even a full 24 hours. And then Louis Domingue takes like the the shot off the, you know, the skate. So um, it's, so it's been a while. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it is. it does seem really encouraging, too. When we were talking with Mike Sullivan after practice, he said, you know, obviously there's a such a boost that both Zucker and McGinn, which also a little tangent. I, I should have th- thought about this and processed this. I would never have thought Ginner was the nickname. I never would have thought Ginner was McGinn's nickname.
0: Yeah. I, so many of these guys do have weird... Some of them, it's, like, hard to do the, like, you know, it normally ends in E, yeah, like some of them, they're, they're hard to turn into that. Like, like Chad or they just call him Chad because, like, what do you do with that?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just you, you, if you're named Chad, I feel like you're just you have to stick with Chad's Chad. nickname. I thought it, I, I feel like I don't know why I would have gone with like Broxy or Brock or you know, Brox or something, Gims? <laughs> Gims? yeah. Beginner though. That's I did not anticipate that. But back to what we were saying, you know, Mike Sullivan uh said that, you know, both of them being back out there not only gives the team such a boost, but it really does hint that they're both getting closer to returning to the lineup. And so not only is that exciting for many reasons, but when you're hearing Mike Sullivan saying that, you know that for both of these guys, more likely than not, It's not going to be too far off, and this is something that seemingly I think the Penguins definitely need is just the depth, especially kind of, you know, at the right time, getting healthy, going into the playoffs. We're just 11 games away. It does not feel real at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just makes you wonder, like, who who comes out? Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. when both of them come back, you figure, you know, fourth line, probably Angelo comes out. He's the one on the fourth line, but then when McGinn comes back, you think maybe Boyle sits or – I don't know. It, it does give them some options to, you know, sit someone like maybe like a Heinen or a Rodriguez who have been struggling because now they do have those options who, who could play. So, yeah, just uh, whoever comes out, I mean, they're, they're going to have good depth options.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. It's going to be wild to see, considering that, you know, we're getting super, super close to playoffs and uh, we are going to take a quick break. But we will dive a little bit more uh, into just the next schedule ahead. Plus, uh, Taylor, you have some uh, prospect updates for us. I think there's some good ones that the people want to hear. So uh, stick with us on Podcast on Fifth Ave. And welcome back to Podcast on Fifth Ave. Taylor. It is hard to believe, and I know I said this at the end of the last segment, but there's 11 games left in the regular season. And one, that just kind of seems unfathomable because of the fact that we've had shortened seasons for the last two years. So we're going to get through, knock on wood, hopefully, an entire 82-game regular season slate. Um, and I know there's, you know, coming off of the Colorado home-and-home, home, um, people have a decent amount of questions about the team, you know, What do the Penguins need to do down the stretch? I think there's a lot of questions that, you know, need to potentially be answered um, in this last stretch here as they get set for the playoffs. Um, I guess we'll just kind of start with, you know, what are what do you think, especially, you know, in this finishing up this stretch against playoff teams because the Penguins are playing, it was seven in a row uh, against playoff teams and some of the best teams in the league here. Um, What do we need to see from the Pens uh, in this last stretch here?
0: Yeah, I think one of the important things is going to be just to figure out line combinations, nail down line combinations and 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 defense pairings too because they have been, you know, switching up the defense pairings these last couple games, you know, Friedman Petterson coming in and out. Um and then you know the Fords coming in getting healthy. They really have to figure out before, you know, the playoffs start. They can't I don't think it would be a good idea to be switching guys in and out um in a playoff series when, when it's not necessary moving guys around, Um, they really need to find something that works. And I feel like, especially on, on Malkin's wing, Malkin has really, he needs, he needs solid wingers. Um, Injury has kind of dictated the circumstances where, you know, they have been changing a lot. Raquel comes in. Um, Zucker probably should have been on his wing for, for much of this last stretch, but obviously he was hurt. So uh Zucker and raquel seem like they're gonna be Malkin's fingers for now hopefully uh that works the Zucker Malkin combination hasn't always uh been great but uh they really have to you know play around with that maybe if that doesn't work give Kapanen a shot up there they just really need to nail something down so you have stability going into the playoffs and So they are going to have some, you know, tough games coming up. But then there are some easier games against, you know, like Philly where, you know, they do have the opportunity to maybe experiment a little
1: yeah and something that's super intriguing to me just like taking a look at the schedule because um, I kind of circled this as you know playoffs sh- standings were shaking up a little bit but again they get through this stretch here of seven straight against playoff teams you're seeing the wild you're seeing Colorado twice you're seeing Washington for the final time during the regular season but then you're going into a stretch of eight games where only three of those teams or three of those games I should say because two are against Boston ones against Edmonton um, are against playoff teams and this stat that I saw earlier today when we were recording this kind of highlights it a little bit because, you know, people look at this a lot and they're like, okay it's the end of the season, you know, they're going to get some easy games. Well, you look at teams with the most points since February 11th in the league, Edmonton's number one with 38 points, who you'll see. The Bruins are number two with 38 points, so they're tied. Um, This list is uh, not set up well. Um, The Bruins are, so you're seeing two of the teams that have been the hottest up to that point. The Bruins also have been on a roll recently just watching them and what they've been able to do. Colorado, who you faced. And then the Islanders at 33. And I know so many people wrote the Islanders off and obviously, you know, there's like basically a statistical improbability that this team can make the playoffs. But you're seeing them twice and they're a team that's gonna kind of gather some steam so this isn't going to be like an easy end of the season I mean yes you see Detroit yes you see Philly you see Columbus but you know this, a lot of people look at it it's not going to be a walk in the park by any means
0: no the the Islanders have had such a weird season I mean looking at like I think just based off the year they had last year and then the off season I I I had them I expected them to be a playoff team I think when we made picks before this season I you know they were one of the teams i had in not even as a maybe i don't think and to yeah. see what to start off so bad and then just this rise it is very weird the east you know playoff field it is, it is kind of set the capitals probably the, they're the weakest team of the current playoff field so i mean nothing is impossible but yeah the islanders if they think they have a shot to get in you know the their last games could be you know pretty tough but yeah it's not going to be an easy stretch and it makes you wonder how often are we going to see Casey to Smith because they yeah. only have two sets of back-to-backs. There's a home back-to-back and then there's um, the road where they're in Detroit and then Philly. Yeah, And I, I don't know if it would be a good idea to start. So you could, I guess, start Jari the rest of the regular season except for, you know, give Casey those two um of the starts and the back-to-backs, but I, I don't know if that'd be a good idea for Jari if you want to r- give him a little bit of rest going into the playoffs because he has had one of the heaviest workloads of any starter in the NHL. So I don't know, like, what games do you even give Casey because the Penguins are kind of battling for position two, and if they're not that confident in Casey, like you said, you know, they're going to be playing some tough teams, and then even the teams that you think you could write off, like, you know, Philly or Detroit, I don't know, things could be interesting. Um, and then yeah. teams, you know, coming up like the Islanders, it's going to be tough. So I don't know when you would get Casey in.
1: Yeah, it is kind of that intriguing puzzle and it's kind of that line you toe between, okay, you want to get Jari in, you want to make sure he's fresh getting set for the playoffs, but at the same time, it's like, you don't want to tire him out. And you also want to make sure that you give Casey the opportunities in case, you know, God forbid there are any injuries or anything along those lines. There's any misstep there. We kind of keep going back to last season where, you know, last playoffs, what happened there. And we'll talk about that kind of in a couple of weeks here, but Let's, uh, let's turn a little bit from uh, Penguins to prospects because you have some uh, pretty interesting tidbits about uh, some of the goalie prospects here.
0: Yeah, so it's Joel Blomquist and Callie Clang were the two European goalies. When they brought in Taylor Gauthier, the undrafted free agent out of Portland in the WHL, it kind of made you know, one of those kids in Europe more expendable. Uh, because neither of them are going to be over next season yet uh, in in Wolfsberry. so Callie Klang is the one they parted with in the trade to bring in Raquel Blomquist. Uh, he's the one in Finland. He he was the higher pick. He was the second round pick, and he just kind of taken off. So he uh, he started the season. I mean, he's been the backup throughout the year, but uh, for a backup, I mean, he he led the league in save percentage and goals against average. His save percentage was nine forty, but he is still the backup. So. Uh, you know, going into the playoffs, Carp, his, his team's Karpat, you know, they start game one, they start their veteran starter, uh, Stanislav Galimov. Galimov. Um, but he's, he's a veteran. Uh, Joel Blomquist, he's just the rookie backup. Uh, Galimov gets yanked after like seven minutes in game one. Blomquist finishes the game. Uh, by then, the deficit was too much to overcome uh blomquist starts game two uh very good performance there was an overtime loss they go back to blomquist game three he started he got an overtime win his first uh playoff win in, in the Finnish league um for some reason uh they went back to the first guy for game four he got yanked again uh, a couple minutes into the first period They put in blomquist blomquist is perfect in relief uh 17 saves he gets the win Game five, he starts. They get shut out, 1-0. That's not his fault. Game no. six, uh, they start Blomquist. Uh, ten minutes into the game, they have to delay it due to ice conditions. They pick it up the following day, uh, and he gets the win to force the game seven. Game seven was Wednesday. They lost 2-1 to one in overtime, so they're eliminated. But uh, he had 42 stays on 44 shots. He finishes the playoffs with a 1.1 goals against average and a 9.50 save percentage in seven appearances. So, you know, he's talking, he, it's funny because his, he he basically did to, you know, his starter what, like, Matt Murray did to Flurry, but Blomquist, his nickname is Blama, which is Swedish for flower. Because, like, I, you know, I follow his team on Twitter and, like, they're tweeting these, you know, the flower emoji every time they do it. And I'm like, and I had a look into it. i was like, why are they calling this kid flower? It's because, <laughs> yeah. So how fitting for a goalie in the penguin system. But really cool stuff from him. Galimov is going to be a free agent. So opens the door for Blomqvist to step in and be the starter. When I took the uh, talk to player, director of player development, Scott Young, he did say that, you know, they don't want to bring him over until he does have a year in Finland as a starter. Uh, so this mm-hmm. kind of opens the door, so maybe in two years we do see him in wilkes but, I mean, the Penguins have just some really exciting goaltending um, prospects. I mean, the prospect po- pool as a whole, pretty shallow, but, mm-hmm. you know, some of the goalies, I mean, you have Blomquist for them, Lindbergh, they bring in as a free agent last summer, great start to his pro career, I think it was six games before he got hurt, he's done for the year, he's not coming back, but uh, he'll be back in Wilkes-Barre next year, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how he if he can continue that uh, going into next season. But they have him. They have Taylor Gauthier, who's putting up like crazy numbers in the WHL. Um, so and he'll be in Wilkes-Barre next year. Alex Story is still a restricted free agent. I think he's still someone that has potential if they bring him back. But uh, it's just really interesting to see the the options at goaltending, especially because you know like Casey to Smith is a He's a free agent. Um, he, maybe he doesn't come back. Maybe, you know, Louis Domingue gets to be the backup for, for next year. And then after that, one of these young guys couldn't get a shot up in in Pittsburgh and it will be, it'd be nice to see.
1: Yeah. It'll be intriguing with the next, you know, year to five year span who we kind of see out of that group, potentially up here in Pittsburgh and the impact they could potentially make. And again, you never know. It's such a year to year league type situation, but it is, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of fun, a lot of fun ahead. Um, and you're on top of all of it as always. So uh, I always, if I need prospect news, I go to your Twitter. So i I'm just <laughs> like, she has it all on a collective place, people. I honestly, it's all right. Here.
0: Yeah. I like pull highlights of everything. It's like Kirill Tankov, their seventh round pick. He's, you know, in the VHL semifinals right now. I see he has a primary assist in a game and I'm like, all right, you gotta find the video clip and put it on Twitter. Um, he does have two assists in the VHL semifinal round. They are down 3-1 to one in the series, so he's on the brink of elimination. He's their last European prospect, still active, but they have him uh, still playing. Tristan Bros is going to be in the Final Four uh, with Minnesota. Mm, yep. He's had a great turnaround. He had, he had a really rough start to the season. Um, took like maybe, I think, 15 games towards first goal. Uh, And he's moved up. He's on the first line for for Minnesota. So they play Minnesota State to open the Frozen Four. Um, So it'll be interesting to see him. Uh, Yeah, he's active. They have, yeah, the guy Tankoff's still in Europe. And then a couple junior guys playing for teams who are probably going to make deep runs. Um, Some could be in the Memorial Cup. I know one of um, Anson's, his team is hosting the Memorial Cup. So, you know, he is going to be in the Memorial Cup. That's how that works. Um, The host city gets the team and then the OHL, WHL and QMJHL send their best. So um, the Penguins could have a a couple of team players going for championships uh, this spring.
1: Follow Taylor on Twitter guys. (laughs) He has all the info there. We're going to take one more quick break and then we will come back and talk about some uh, interesting stuff across the league that's been happening the last week, week and a half or so Uh, stick with us on podcast on 5th Avenue. back to podcast on Fifth Ave. You know we like to have some fun in this third segment and we're going to talk about some uh, interesting stuff that's been happening across the league in the last week I feel like there's been a whole lot. Taylor, we can start with the Buffalo Sabres because they've been winning <laughs> and they've been winning a decent amount. Since the return of Jack Eichel to um, Key Bank Center up in Buffalo, they've only had two losses in regulation in their last 13 games. They have points in 11 of their last 13. Dare I say it, they might be a little bit of a fun team to watch.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the pace they're on right now, if they played like that, you know, throughout an 82 game season, they would be on pace for a 120 point season, <laughs> which like to put things in perspective, that's how well they're playing right now. Yeah. It's just insane. Ever since what Eichel uh, talked about how bad the what the atmosphere was at, at KeyBank, uh, yeah. I I don't, I don't know if we ever talked about that on here. I'm just that, I, don't I, don't, I, don't, I don't think we did. But yeah, it was you know he obviously got booed in his ret- in his return, um, and he said that was uh, the loudest he's he's heard that building you know since uh, since he was a member of the Sabers. So um, I don't know. I think stuff like that makes makes things. The game. I don't know if like the Sabres fans are right for booing him. Uh, You know he was put in a tough spot. He got out. He did what he needed to do. Um, The Sabres kind of did bungle that whole situation. But just that kind of hatred, I think, makes things more exciting. Makes things more eyes on the game. I think you know next time Michael plays in Buffalo, you're gonna be more inclined to watch it. But uh, so I don't know if that has anything to do with you know this streak they've been on. But uh, yeah. I, what's happening?
1: <laughs> they they've just kind of put together. They've kind of finally figured it out. Tage or I, I don't want to say finally figured it out, but they've figured out a good formula that's working for them. They're really pesky to play against. We saw it when we were up in Buffalo. What was that? A week and a half ago. At this point, two weeks ago, um, Tage Thompson uh, has scored a career high thirty-one goals, I believe, as of Tuesday. Um, so he's been looking great for them too. They're kind of finally. You know, putting together what I think a lot of people thought this team was and also circling back a little bit to Eichel's point when he was saying that that was the loudest he heard the building. As someone who covered that team for two of Eichel's years, there were times that building was incredibly loud back in 20, I want to say it was 2018. Yeah. In 2018, they went on a 10 game win streak and everyone was like, oh my, it was in November and everyone was like, oh my God, are no the Sabres going to do it? Are they actually going to like, will this be the year? It wasn't. But <laughs> that building for the midst of that streak, game six, seven, eight, it was so loud. I remember it was at like a Saturday afternoon game. They played the Senators. It was the craziest hockey game they, I've ever seen. They won like nine to four. It was outrageous. But that building on a, you know, Saturday afternoon, everyone's chanting, you know, five, six or seven, eight. We want nine. Like, you know, I was I (laughs) just that's all I'll say about that. That's that's where we'll uh, we'll leave the Sabres talk there. But they're definitely fun to watch. And I know that the Penguins probably a little bit happy that they don't have to see that team. uh, They don't have to see that team again for the rest of this regular season. Um, A team that might see each other. A decent amount. Uh, the Florida Panthers and the Toronto Maple Leafs—the times they played each other—has been insane. But Tuesday night, oh my god, that game was unreal. Florida ended up winning seven to six in overtime, but they came back from a five—they were down five to one—they came back from a four-goal deficit. To take the six five lead, Toronto ties it up and sends it to overtime. The Panthers are kind of the comeback kids right now.
0: Yeah, so I didn't watch that that game because I, you know, I was at the Penguins game. But still, that both of these teams, you have to wonder like, how is this gonna? Is this, any of this gonna carry over in the playoffs, or how how are they gonna fare in the playoffs? Because like stuff like that doesn't typically ha- playoff games are typically much tighter than that. You know, yeah it's hard to pull off those kind of, you know, you don't see seven to six in the playoffs normally, but um, I mean, both of these teams are going to be playoff teams. So it's going to be hard. I I don't know. I'm just curious to see how that carries over.
1: No, I definitely am. And this was also, I think within the same week, or I want to say at least a week and a half where, yeah, because it was last weekend, uh, Florida was down six, two to the devils and came back to win that game.
0: Yeah, something, something like that. But, yeah, no, they've they've been doing it a lot. Um, yeah, that's an uh, exciting team to watch. But um, they've had – what's the I, – I think I saw a stat, like, of, like, their record since, like, the Kodak Black incident. I don't know, something crazy going on there, too. So I don't know if that plays a role in this, but
1: <laughs> – I completely forgot <laughs> weird, about weird that. Weird things
0: going on in Florida. <laughs> things have been crazy ever since Kodak Black was in Florida. <laughs> I forgot that – Wow.
1: That 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 was just like a core a core memory that just hit. Yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> yeah. Whoa, that was a fun one. Um, what else in the league? What am I forgetting? Uh, the
0: biggest news. I mean, I, I think League Keith, Keith Yandel had his his Ironman streak snapped. He was a healthy scratch. Um, for the Flyers. I mean, it's it was probably artificially propped up a couple. You know, maybe a couple years now where. If he did not have this streak behind him, he would have been scratched maybe a couple times before, just so you know the way his play has dropped off. Uh, it wasn't in Florida. They were thinking about scratching him for the opener. Um, was that last season? But, it, I mean, it didn't happen. But, yeah, so it finally came to an end. Uh, in Philly, just, you know, the Flyers, they're eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, They have a lot of young guys that, you know, need to get into games that they're, you know, calling up that, um, you know, are are fighting for bigger spots next year. And, you know, Keith Yandel really doesn't need to be playing. There's not really a whole lot of benefit to to keeping him in. So yeah, he had his uh, streak snapped. He had, you know, the longest uh, Ironman streak in league history. So obviously the longest active one. And now that uh, he had that snap. Phil Kessel has the longest active one. He is number two all time. Phil Kessel can surpass him for the longest streak a couple games into next season. Not quite this season. I think it's a couple. He, I, you, I don't know if you have the numbers pulled up in front of you. No, I don't. I, don't, I don't. It doesn't matter. It, he, he, he can, it's like a couple games short of being able to move into the number one spot this season. So, you have to imagine he, he'll do that. Phil Castle has not slowed slowed down to the you know level that you know Keith Handel has. Phil Castle not going to be scratched anytime soon, unless he gets hurt. And Phil Castle, obviously not someone to get hurt um, with the streak he has. Uh, he should you know surpass um, Keith Handel for the number one spot all time.
1: And I had to laugh at this quote because uh, Kevin McGran, um, an, a hockey reporter, tweeted that you know Phil Kessel's now the active consecutive played uh, games played leader in the NHL. He talked with James Van Riemsdyk the other day about Kessel's streak, and this quote from James Van Riemsdyk is just phenomenal. And it says, "I'm sure a lot of the strength and conditioning specialists are at a loss for words."
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I- I I do feel bad for Keith Yandel too, but yeah, it it has been, if he, if he were on a competitive team this year, it would have been snapped earlier. Yeah. No, he he would, he would not be in the lineup on on a competitive team, but I don't know. He's, he's just such a fun, both him and Kessel, just such great personalities. Yeah.
1: Um, Oh yeah.
0: Keith Yandel, my my favorite thing he does is like the song he calls it. And it's when he's behind the net trying to start a breakout and if, if, you know, there's an opponent standing in front of him, he fakes him out, you know, a pass. And if the the guy falls for it, he yells sunk. And he does it so loud that you hear it, like, on the broadcast. You could hear it, like, from the press box. And <sighs> I remember, um, how many years ago was this? Three? Has to be longer than that. I don't know. When Thomas DePauli got called up, Um, he only played two games for, for Pittsburgh, but yeah, he had the first one on the road, Montreal. Then he, his next game was at home against Florida and it was like the Penguins are losing bad in that game. And, um, Keith Yandel goes behind his net, and Thomas DePauli is the guy Is the guy there. And I, you see it when you see Keith Yandel go behind the net like that, you're like, oh, God, he's going to do it. And I he know. did it, and DePauli fell for it. The, he, it's like he's just a rookie, Keith. Come on, Keith, not the rookie. <laughs> he's just a kid. No, but then he falls for it. And then and then Keith Yandel does it again, and then he falls for it again. And, <laughs> and, he, and he yells it. Um, and then Thomas DePauli never played an NHL game after that, so – uh, I did think it was funny when we were in Philly earlier this season, Mike Matheson, who was, you know, teammates with the Andle in Florida, Mike Matheson looked like he tried to do it behind when he was behind the net. No one fell for it. Um, no. And Mike Matheson, he's too nice of a guy. It would have worked. He would have yelled, like, sorry. Uh, so- <laughs> he would have tried it. And then, like, as, you know, as he skates in the play, he'd be like, I'm sorry, my dude. Like, <laughs> <not bad. laughs> But <laughs> uh, I think that's just so funny for him. But I don't know. Yeah, they they do go to Philly again. So I don't know. Maybe Keith Yandel will be in the lineup then. Uh, maybe we'll see Mike Matheson attempt a song again to impress Keith Yandle. But uh, <laughs> looking forward to that.
1: That one, we can't wait. We have that one circled on the calendar.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well,
1: that'll do it for us on another week of Podcast on Fifth Ave. Be sure to subscribe uh, to us wherever you subscribe for your podcasts. Listen, tell a friend, give us a nice little, we like good ratings if you're giving us a rating. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you want to hear more of. Uh, Follow us all on Twitter. Follow us, um, our podcast on Twitter as well.